0: I really want it to be 80s newscaster music.
1: This show is not allied with any sect, denomination, political entity, organization, or institution. Does not engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any cause. Neither do we. Not affiliated with al or any other 12-step program. The opinions expressed here are strictly of the person who gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. Hi, I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, I'm Claire. Hi, Claire.
0: And this is Crosstalk. It's <laughs> our first Crosstalk in a little while um, with a guest, so this is very exciting. But before that, you know, I feel like we should get current. Uh, you and I talked many times this week, but I'd love for the, uh, the audience at large to hear where you're at today.
1: Sure. Love getting current with you. Um, uh, you know, it is the holiday season. It's the holiday season and I'm really doing things differently. I think it's really amazing how every year I get to do things even more different. Um, and then there's some things that I get to do, like in a uh, I don't even know if tradition is the right word, but like recover traditional recovery. <laughs> like I have tr- recovery traditions now, maybe like where it's, it's like it, recovery. Tradition. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Not I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's just like I, there's ways that like I get to show up every year, year after year, where it's like different than I did before, and it's it for me really works, you know, and. um mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, of safety things going on in the world right now, and my family was like kind of. I wouldn't say pressuring me, but they were like, Oh, well, you know, we can always like do a quarantine thing. If you and your partner wanted to come, you know, and I'm, I was like, you know, I know it was like, (laughs) I didn't even have to think about it. I didn't even have to like make up something. It was so easy for me to lovingly just be like, we'll be staying in Los Angeles this year. I love you so much. You know, why don't we see if we can do some extra zoom meetings or something. Um, we're not traveling and wow like <sighs> that is not what that used to sound like you know it's just not what it used to sound like so i think currently it's just like really planning for for some time off for myself like that's really on the on the forefront and i've just been really taking care of myself these last couple of weeks um in Was a different way of
0: to do any of that to help you with those boundaries or self-care what?
1: What was it was a
0: program that you oh
1: use? oh yeah, there's this place that I go. Um, it's called Al Anon.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna say CrossFit.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the program of Crosstalk,
0: yeah, yeah. or CrossFit, <laughs> or like uh, the Moonies <laughs> <laughs> Al Anon. I hear uh... I want to hear more about this, Al Anon.
1: Yeah, well. I think that was a good, that was a good recap. That was a good, uh, you know, check in. Where are you at right now? How was well, your, how's I'm your week been?
0: In Chicago. Uh, so basically like the north. You
1: love coast. to say where you physically are.
0: Physically <laughs> I'm in Chicago. Isn't that the most important thing? It's like, it's like the North pole. It's like 12 degrees outside or maybe like 36, but it feels like 12. So we can't leave the house or we'll be, we'll freeze to death. Um, so there's that, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm spending the holidays with my partner's family and they are a family and not my family and they have things and it's interesting. It's very interesting. They're, uh, they're very different than me and they're, um, they're very interconnected in a way that my family never was. And all the ways that are beautiful and all the ways that are very trying, um Mm. so that's interesting but i'm not you know i'm like a like a a witness i don't really have to get that involved although i am sometimes the subject of some some count crossfire uh inevitably um so that's interesting trying not to get too engaged but it's hard because of covid right like i have to draw if i if it wasn't for this pandemic um i would just go with the flow because that's what i'm here to do but with this pandemic i've been you know like yeah i still need questions answered about what your dad's doing with masks at the office and things like that and creates a lot of uncomfortable moments for them and and for me and I there's nothing I can do about it I have to I have to know what's up before I can go spend time with them so that's lame but you know it's teaching everybody boundaries you know boundaries are so great especially around the holidays I love boundaries so I do
1: too I'm happy for you and your boundary practicing yeah. it sounds really like it may bring some great joy to your holiday season.
0: I will say that that's the thing about boundaries,
1: I'm, the new joy.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to my dad's either, and and uh, that was like the first thing I got in Alan on, which I love was like, Oh, you mean you could just not go, or you could go and stay in a hotel? Like, I remember when someone told me that, and I actually did it, I was like, Wow, that was amazing. Me too. Who
2: knew
1: me too in a hotel? I was like, I like called my sponsor because I have a weekly meeting with my sponsor. Like, and I really try and hold it no matter if I'm out of town or whatever. And I called, I called him and was like crying. I was just crying. I couldn't stop crying because I was like, I can't believe I did this to myself for so many years. And I could have just stayed somewhere and been (laughs) safe and not been around them the whole entire time. 10
0: (laughs) o'clock and the cocktails come out and you're like, peace out, everybody. I'll see you. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple i love it oh the holidays well yeah uh on that note because i think that would make that was a judgment i used to make um we brought us sure. we brought a special guest for the holidays this season diane is with us how are you doing diane
3: Hi, guys. I feel like I should be dressed up as an elf for this (laughs) holiday podcast.
0: You're not? Well, let's just say you are because technically no one can see you, so.
3: My elf out is rocking. There you go. it's just rocking this morning for you guys. It's thank adorbs. You. That hat's the best. Thank you, thank you for
0: being there. Well, Diane is somebody who I met years ago in one of my first meetings, and um, I've always admired her recovery. I'm so excited that you're able to join us today. I can't believe you don't know Claire because you're both Al-Anon superstars. So I brought like the, the colliding supernovas <laughs> together <laughs> for supernovas the recovery show.
3: with hats and elf outfits together. <laughs> thank you, Corey.
0: Plus, Claire really could play an elf. I don't know if you can't see Claire, but she could be like, like she might actually be an elf. She could
1: it's, be. It's, I've been trying to keep it a secret.
0: And you but... can build things like elves. I mean, you you literally could. That's be, true. Like I'll just make you a, a Lego set out of wood and. <laughs> oh,
3: and she's <laughs> spreading joy already. I can feel the joy from here with her, without the Lego.
0: <laughs> well, it's a very special holiday episode. So so excited. Um. Yeah, well, thanks for joining. We can't wait to hear from you and then cross talk the hell out of this.
3: I'm so excited. I've always dreamed of someone digging into my (laughs) share. All the things you just sort of float over like, well, they'll never ask about that.
0: Nothing gets by us. (laughs) There's going to be your timer as well.
3: That's right. How would you like your time? um, My lead is 10 minutes. Is that right? Yeah. doesn't happen. Uh, Let's do eight and two.
1: Love it. All right.
3: Can we just share for a moment on how exciting it is when you're sitting in a meeting and someone asks the timer for like 17 checks. Can <laughs> you make the timer go off every 90 seconds for the entire 12 minutes? Because that'll make me more comfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's some interesting alanonism right there. But you know.
3: <laughs> let me control every minute of my share with an assistant to keep tapping me.
0: Well, you know, those big meetings like the one I met you at, I I was like, when I did my lead share there, I had notes. I had a first, second, and third act. I mean, you feel like it's a performance in a way, if you're, it's such an honor to be asked to share there that it I feel is. like- you And you're so thing. right.
3: And here's a little side note, because maybe I'll never get to the share and she'll never give me that eight minutes. But how about when we go into the <laughs> big giant meetings and it's like over a hundred people, sometimes over 200 people, and the secretary brings in a leader who has like, I don't know, seven minutes of recovery. <laughs> oh no, there are hundreds of people in this room this share has to touch at least 80 of them like three months of recovery is beautiful when you're having coffee not when you're leading the <laughs> dais thing stop that
0: that dais man at the sunday meeting it's like <laughs> I think it was in my lead chair I mentioned I I went really early we'll get to this but I got went really early to do it and they have an AA meeting before and it's on the floor and then they take the table and put it on a stage for the Al-Anons it's like we need a a freaking stage here people like if I'm gonna do this I want everyone to see yes
3: (laughs) we've never been seen before
1: we had to be so loud in our lives to be seen so it's like you will see me now you will see me. This is my time to be seen. Thank you.
3: Oh my God. And I've been early enough to I've seen the AA people watch our, our crew, you know, pick that table up and they're like, oh, my God, you people put yourselves on a stage. <laughs> like they are as repulsed by us as we are at ourselves.
0: They're like These people are crazy. They turned this whole hall over in four seconds and they had it down. Oh, my God. Not to miss that. well, that's because we're you know, in a master program.
3: we are
0: They likes to say it's a master program
3: it is They're in the beginner. It is. We're freshmen We're graduates. I
1: love it.
3: <laughs> right, should I stop kvetching?
1: Let's and- do it
3: <laughs>
1: I don't think it could have been a better lead-in to our topic of ju- judgment versus- Yes, so <laughs> uh, and I, I think it, it whether it was planned or or not, it was I think it was perfect. thank you. I'm, I've got you queued up, so you just let me know when you're, when you're ready right. to jump in.
3: All right. I'm going to actually go on judgment. I love judgment. It's such an underrated character defect. And let's just talk for a second about the word defect, right? I don't have any defects. I'm a perfect child of God. And defects, all right, our literature is borrowed, right? It comes from those exciting, fun people in AA, And they have a character defect. They cannot drink ever. Like they can't drink on their birthday. They can't drink on New Year's. And I feel like they they have to have this slightly judgmental word of defect so that when their birthday comes up and they're like, oh, I can have one. They're like, no, I can't because I've been told I have a defect. I have a defect of character. So then we borrow all that literature. we're trying to do everything so goddamn right to begin with. And then someone says, you have a whole bunch of defects. So as Alanons, we come up with 75 of them in our fourth step. And I'm like, no, they're not defects. I don't have this all the time. I have this when I'm being defensive, when I feel unsafe, when I think I'm being attacked, when I have to protect myself. So I have character defenses. So the character defense of judgment should just be like on the top of the everybody's list because we <laughs> all have judgment, right? We were small children in a house where no one was paying any goddamn attention to us. And I was aiming for discernment. I was I was aiming for understanding who was a good guy and who was a bad guy. And in truth, everybody was an everybody guy. The, everybody had both sides of that coin. But... I had black and white thinking. It, it was really, you were with me or you were against me. So with recovery, uh, when I do a six step, I write a love letter to the character defense. I write it a thank you note. I write it a breakup letter, but I'm, I'm, ex- I'm accepting what it was there for. I'm thanking the judgment for what it was doing and where it did protect me and explaining why it doesn't work for me anymore. And I'm offering it to go back to the universe. So then in the seventh step, I try to replace it because I feel like my character defects put up a fight on the way down. Like they go out swinging. They're like, well, what about when this happens? What will you do then if you don't judge all those people at work? Um, How will you survive? How will you get through the day? So judgment, I tried compassion when I was letting go of judgment. And you know, it's great. It was heady, it was very Alanani. It was like, oh, I'm gonna take this out and I'm gonna control this situation by sticking something else in. Thank you, God, please remove this character defense and replace it with blank. So here I am in real life and I am divorced four years. I have a car full of children. There's so many of them, but like three and a half days a week, I'm on my own and I'm dating and it's a pandemic. And I will say, I borrowed from AA, not the word defects, but the idea that in the first year after divorce, I did no dating. I was like, let me just see who I am. I'm, I have already been married. I had like a 12 year relationship. I have all the children. I have a house, I have a career. I was like, my mindset of what I wanted a partner is so incredibly different once breeding was off the table it was like, this is, I'm not looking for any of those banner things that were explained to me in a fairy tale. What else is there? Like, what is the actual point? What is connection? And if I came from a family of origin that didn't understand what those connections could be, the family connections in my house were They were like work. They were taskmasters, masters together. We were getting through things. It was transactional. There was affection at times, but it was more like we have to survive. They were in survival mode. They were never in thrive. So I took this year to try and understand Like a point of a relationship for me is part of thriving. I don't need it. I am okay on my own. And that year was proof that I was on my own. So I've had very few relationships and then a pandemic hit and I have lots of them. The only person I know is like crushing the dating scene in the pandemic and not even dating because I'm old. Who wants to date? I have like serial monogamous relationships back to back and they all end in marriage proposals. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that again. Here I go. So latest one, there was a problem at the end of my marriage that I could say, We're not communicating in the same language. I had enough recovery by then that I had learned the secret language and I was pretty good with language before I got to recovery. So now I really wanted to have emotional intelligence and I wanted to share this with my partner and I'm a straight woman. So I'm fishing around with straight men trying to get a deep emotional connection with language. You know, you, you could say I'm nuts for even fishing in that pond, but that's where I'm looking. That was the one intrinsic thing missing in my marriage. I've had two relationships this year where at a certain point it hits a level where it sort of stops and it freezes. And this latest one, I have a fellow that I call all the time. He's a great friend. He's never afraid to call me out. And he'll say, don't run, don't run, you're not unsafe. So the first relationship in the pandemic, I really learned the difference between being uncomfortable and unsafe. I grew up in an unsafe house. So the alarm always went off at full speed. And this was like, oh, I'm a grown person. This person is not dangerous. This person is not even mean. I'm just not sure this is how I want to be loved. Let me stay and feel it. So when I do go, I I know why I went. So now I'm in the second long-term relationship in the pandemic. And I think the way this person shows love is not with language. And it was really like. The first thought, the first honest thought in my head was, he just doesn't have that depth. Did you hear the judgment in that? He doesn't have. Oh, you bitch, Diane. Okay, so I have to unravel that little spool and get to there's nothing wrong with that person. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that person. He's a perfect child of God. And even if his defense is not to say what's going on, None of my business. Okay, so then I have two days of, well, if there's nothing wrong with him, do I get to go? Because I'm not having the love affair I wanna have. Answer is, I don't wanna go. I'm still really attracted to that person. Huh, I'm really attracted to them and I don't think I'm being loved the way I wanna be loved. Is this old? Is this historical? Am I digging around for something that's unavailable? Wait, hold, this is my practice, this is my recovery then a new thought starts to come. What if I'm insatiably looking for an amount of language that's not realistic in a romantic relationship? What if the kind of language I'm actually looking for feels almost parental, the way a father might dote on a daughter as opposed to the way a lover might treat a partner? Because what if he just said really three nice things to me and one of them might be you're pretty and one of them might be you're smart and oh oh look you uh, we needed help at the uh, whatever and you jumped right in in my head i'm going yeah I, i'm not looking for words of affirmation i'm looking for your inner monologue dude i'm looking for you to tell me why you're falling in love with me too fast because i'm so amazing your feelings are completely in hyperbolic words Too big for this universe because this love affair is the greatest thing on earth. Then I start realizing, oh, I've had that 40 times and it's bullshit. It's not even that that other person is bullshitting themselves. I mean, it's not even that they're bullshitting me. They're bullshitting themselves. If someone makes me hyperbolic promises in the beginning of how many feelings they have They don't actually understand the majority of a relationship and what that means, and it's really irresponsible. So what if this person is actually being honest and commenting in an appropriate way, and I have an addiction that's making me dig for my worth in another person with nonstop language that's an insatiable need that stems back to this idea of, I have a God-sized hole. Here's the quick happy version in my last minute. I've already done all that work. I have years of recovery. I've done all my steps. I get this. I'm like, wait, I have filled that hole. I like myself. I love myself. I do esteemable things. I think I am an admirable person. This might be a habit. I might not actually need that from my love affair. I might actually be able to let go of it. So the two scary things were it's an inside job. I might be the problem because I'm reading this wrong. If I remove the judgment, if I accept who he is, I'm going to see an issue with me. And now I'm in that tiny phase where I'm hoping the issue is it's a habit, that it isn't that it isn't an insatiable need I'm gonna spend my life looking for to no end, like a holy grail. I got okay, that to my share for today.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, you have
1: 23 more seconds. Are you sure you don't wanna use them?
3: Um, If only I could sing. If I could sing, I would sing you a little song for 20 seconds, but I don't sing.
0: Well, I love that. I love that we have someone who's dating during the pandemic, because I bet lots of people are, and Mm -hmm. I don't know how it
3: works. Oh, and you're not the first person to ask that either. It's kind of cool, because there's a little more phone time, and you know, I'm 51 years old, so it's not exactly like I'm in the let's go out and possibly hook up the first time we ever meet category. So the physical part is slowed down enough that you know you can get like one or two conversations, a FaceTime conversation, and then it's coffee outside. And then you kind of are making a jump.
0: Do you compare- it Sounds like
1: sober dating to me.
0: Yeah.
3: Very, sure it sounds does. really good to me.
0: It's like yeah. for sober dating. Do you compare COVID tests? Do you like hand people a piece of paper?
3: No, but you know, I have found there are three camps of COVID or maybe four. There's um, highly irresponsible, do whatever you want. There's the, I'm okay, I'm following all the rules and I'm not that worried about it. Then there's the, I'm really concerned, how can I push this harder? And then there's all of my um, thespian friends in Los Angeles who believe that the disease is coming for them personally and won't leave their house and are afraid of every single thing that could pop it like it depends on your level of neuroses i really looked at this like we're all going to get this we're just delaying it for the healthcare workers like like it it's almost inevitable let me be responsible particularly when the hospitals are so flooded but i i did very little like did very little, like digging around, like what's your life like? We were outside. Once I was moving into like, all right, and I'm going to go to your house. You're in my pot.
0: <laughs> I'm going to reserve my judgment of that choice because <laughs> I'm an acceptance of your COVID choices.
2: <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm
0: of the like, uh, we're locking the shit down camp. Um, not going to get it. But um, yeah, so I love that this was about relationships and I'm, I would love to start cross-talking this. First of all, could we just quickly talk a little bit about your childhood? It sound, you said that alarms were going off constantly and you were in survival mode. Is there anything you could share that would give us some insight as to what that looked like?
3: Sure. Um, so I had two parents and uh, myself and my siblings all considered my mother to be an alcoholic. She did not call herself an alcoholic. She's one of five kids. Uh, two of the other four kids died of alcoholism. And the other two were non-functional alcoholics. So in comparison, she was highly functional, but she drank like a college student. Like she drank, she didn't drink every day and she didn't have a lot of repercussions. But when she did drink, she drank till she was hilariously on the table like a rock star and then fell down drunk.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: And my father was a rageaholic. My father, like to the tune of he was a, pro boxer when I was a kid. So there was a lot of isms. My maternal grandfather was a gambling addict. My paternal grandfather fathered so many children outside of his family. I don't even have a count. So when I first came into the room, I had no like, We were never homeless. We were never food insecure. My mother and father never had any infidelity. They were married till I was 31 years old. I was really like, I'm not even sure if I'm here and I have a big giant personality. Maybe I'm supposed to be in the wild room. Maybe I'm supposed to be smoking cigarettes and coffee, but I don't even like alcohol. Like I I felt like I had this addict thing in me and wasn't really sure. And then over years, it became very clear that their identification of themselves isn't as important as my experience in it. I look at Al-Anon as anybody who wasn't getting their needs met in their house growing up. My parents were distracted. My mother didn't know how to pull love from the house we lived in. She thought she had to go outside to get it. So it looked a lot like I wanna go to the bar. I wanna go out and play with my friends. She looked at her house like a series of tasks that she had to do. Mm -hmm. And my father spent his life chasing my mother's affection inside mm. that marriage. It was really brutalizing to watch. And he was physically um, combative with the kids. He didn't hit my mother, but you know, we were playing on the steps one time when I was a kid. And this is you know, dead sober at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. We were playing with Smurfs. That's how little we were. They were the up nurse. and
2: down. <laughs> yeah,
3: the little blue Smurfs. And they were on the steps and my mother came out of her bedroom and slid down the steps and everybody heard her fall. My father ran from the bottom floor of the house. And as he ran up, he grabbed me by the throat, pinned me up against the wall and held me till he choked me out because he thought I hurt her. And my mother was on the floor screaming, get off her, get off her, get off her. She didn't do anything. And I was looking at him laughing. By this time, I was probably 10 years old, like, she's not going to talk to you for a month for this. Like it was violent and it was wild. Like it went off on a trigger. So it was a long time of dispelling that culture, that class, that region. You know, like I I was raised in a combative environment and I haven't lived in one in 30 years. So it's just the process of letting that idea go.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's... um... That's a lot. Would you say you felt like your father was addicted to your mother? Yes. Yeah. I
3: the catchphrase I used to say all the time was, "My father would have boiled his children to make soup for my mother." It was just the strangest thing. Like I've I've rarely ever seen it repeated. Um, you'll see sometimes. I think in old fashioned long term marriages, will women will give up everything for their husband, but I have so few instances of seeing it where a man does it for a woman who is, they were both al They were both untreated Al-Anons. My mother was raised in a house where they lost their house about every two years because my grandfather was a gambling addict. Like they would lose their house and all their furniture and have to go live with relatives. My mother slept in a bed with her mother until she married my father. Like they had these very enmeshed
2: mm-hmm. co-
3: alcoholic relationships, even though there was love and there was care, there was uh, no neglect in my house. There was just a shit ton of abuse. So it, it breeds enmeshment in me. It breeds this level of, okay, love is I'm going to cut off the top of my head. You're going to climb inside. You're going to feel all my feelings. You're going to mm-hmm. figure out exactly what the strategy is. Give me a game plan. Then you're going to climb outside, give it to me with as much fierceness as you can. And then, if I don't follow it, you have a right to cut me off because you've just shown me your love. (laughs) It's it's not for the faint of heart. So, recovery for me is finding that space, not running, not running because I'm not unsafe, and learning how to put a little space between me and all the things I love lovers, friends, colleagues, bosses. whatever it is. So there's a little God between me and them. And then with my children in my house, it's almost the opposite. I am constantly trying to learn how to play and how to court joy in that scenario rather than just do the tasks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely recognize that feeling of wanting someone to call on your head. I know Claire, you probably had once upon a time, similar experiences you've shared with me.
1: Yeah, I really relate just in general to the intensity of your upbringing Um, and like it it, different in that all of us were taught to love each other with that intensity and that like that's what love looks like. And then also, if you don't do it right, uh, that's it. Like you get the complete opposite of that, you know, and fit physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual danger, right? Mm-hmm. Like all those things are jeopardized when that's the, the measurement is so deep and the expectation is so high, um, you know, so that's a pretty high down payment for resentment. Um, it's like.
3: <laughs> yeah, And that banishment is the other end of it, that it's really only that's- full in or full out. So- yeah black and white thinking, but then I see things in black and white terms also where that's part of that thing of, I might be reading this wrong. This person not giving me language while we're dating is not banishment. It is not the, right. the relationship. And I have to keep going, look, he's here. Look, he shows up for this. Look, he's asked, And I'm making little tests. Okay. I know we usually see each other on this day of the week. He has children. I have children. I won't ask. And let's see if he does. And mm-hmm. he passes all my shitty tasks. And thank God with recovery, they're not that shitty anymore. You know, like the the barometers raising, but I, I catch myself like, okay, I'm going to set up this little secret contract to see if you actually care for me. And I I maybe in some ways I'm teaching myself how to read a room in a new way, how to read a situation in a new way so it doesn't have to be 100% or zero.
0: I mean that's what judgment really for me at least was, right? You could see you could go into that room and you could say this is a safe room, not safe room. But then it also became like I know how this person will act in a year when I do x, they will do y and then in 5 years. I mean, the future, I mean I was such a reader of the future. Um and, well, I'm a I'm a mind reader. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously a mind reader. Mind reader, so I you know talk, what people think. To your point about crawling in your brain, like how could you not know what I would want in oh my ten years? Like, what's wrong with you?
3: I know you're so right, Corey. That's so scary, and it's all judgment. Like even when, so in the dating thing, even when things are exciting in the beginning. I tried a contrary action the other day. I really was pushing for certain language on a, a phone call and I didn't get it. And I wanted to power and I want to be a victim. And I, by the morning I was like, you're not a victim. You ask for something, give him a second. You also no longer are sure if that thing you're asking for is valid for what you want in a relationship, so I made this big dinner for my kids. The guy doesn't live that far from me. I cut a section off, put it in a thing, drove it to his house. He was working in his house for 12 hours <clears throat> and I dropped it off at the front door. Now I knew I had to control my own al brain of like, I'm going to get a lot of good feedback for this. <laughs> um, So I was like, don't get high on being the good girl and doing this right and winning and try not to say the words. I did it as contrary action because, now I have to explain that I was pouting and mad. I was like, just try and do it. So it goes well, he's excited, still not a lot of language, not that guy. And I go out to my car the next day to do something. And he drove by my house at like four o'clock in the morning and put roses on my car. Like he left mm. it under the wiper and mm. it was just a little note and it had my initial on it. And I was like, I think it's from this guy, right? I mean, I have children. This could be for my kids. <laughs> I flipped it around and there was his initial on the back. Thank God. So I'm like putting in my purse. My children don't know I'm dating this person. I'm like sticking it in my purse and I hide it. And I was like, Oh, I honestly felt like it was a God shot. I felt like God gave me flowers for doing a contrary action, sticking in the thing that was uncomfortable. I got something back. I did not get the thing back that I asked. I did not get the thing back that I thought I needed. I got something far more fun and far more interesting. And it started to make me realize was my judgment so heavy that I was bookending who I was allowed to be attracted to. Was I making the pool so small? They had to behave in this one certain way in order for me to calm my nervous system down to share love. So with recovery, I'm like, no, I have to calm my nervous system down. No one outside of me really is threatening me anymore. No one outside of me has been threatening me in 30 years. And on the rare occasion when that happens, I have every skill to handle that. Yeah. A physical problem, an emotional problem, a spirit, I'm totally capable of throwing down into that, you know, feral child I was in my house. So everything else is an inside job. Everything else is me terrorizing myself of, it has to be this way. So this week has also been a lot of, what's the love affair I wanna have? Do it, do it and see what happens. Maybe you fall on your face. Maybe it looks like too much. Maybe it looks like not enough.
0: How does judgment then become discernment in choosing relationships for you?
3: The one thing that I know so far is pausing. The the step from judgment to discernment is the pause. So something comes up. It doesn't feel right to me and I know I have to pause and walk away because I cannot see my side of that story in the moment. All I see is what I'm not getting or what they're doing. And in the pause, I start looking at why am I looking for this? If this is a person who's just doing their thing, what am I taking personally about their existence and their life? And I'm moving so slowly. It's partially pandemic, partially aged, partially understanding that once I start running hormones from sex, I have less discernment that I'm moving slowly enough that I'm not going to make a huge mistake. Like discernment's going to come with time. Judgment comes right away. Judgment's in like two seconds. Goodbye. Good guy, bad guy. And
2: mm-hmm.
3: that's not enough. Um, and I, I, the mantra I've been using this whole year in dating is Every time I find fault in another person, every time I have a judgment of them, the question underneath it usually is, "Are they able to save me? So my judgments are all based around an alanonic need for someone else to save
2: me.-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Because, mm-hmm. you know, how much do I know you two guys? I'm telling you my diary entry for the week. I'm not at all worried. What you're going to do with this information, (laughs) if you're going to judge me, if you can save me, if you can fix it. We're having a conversation because I'm not worried if you can save me. Now, if I'm sleeping with one or if I'm lucky, both of you, now (laughs) I have this whole other shebang of if I give you all this information. Will you fix it? Will you hold it? Will you make it sacred? Will you? Mm. That's me. That's mine. It's like, no, I'm a I'm an autonomous being. I'm a fully fledged adult. I've taken care of myself for decades. I have taken care of other human beings. I have survived no money, lots of money, one city, another city, having language, having no language, car, like all of those things. So it's like that other person is just there for me to watch their show. I'm a really interesting show and I'm aiming for the most interesting show to me. It. They're not here to be my fucking stagehand.
1: Sorry, I said an F bomb. Oh, good. I'm surprised I haven't dropped many yet. Uh, This is really amazing because I had this text conversation with um, one of my platonic life partners Um, (laughs) just yesterday. I, you know, it's like I'm getting into this place in my relationship of four years where, um, all of which I've been in program during like, oh, what a joy. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we're really developing, we've always talked about marriage and we're really looking at that and looking at, uh, rings and things and, but, but very consciously, you know, I mean, I think we had done it for quite some time, like just, to know that it, we wanted the same thing, you know, it's like, how early is, is too early to talk about those things. And like, I really think it's more like, what's your intention behind it, you know? And like, our intention has shifted. Our intention is very much like, oh, okay. What's a, fo- like, what works within this budget? Is that, are these the things you want? Like, is this what you're looking for, uh, in a ring? And then I was texting with this, uh, with someone that I've, I haven't, I haven't even known him. Like it seems like I, he's one of those people, like I've known him, gosh, like my, my whole soul has, has known them for forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Since, since the beginning of time, we've known each other. And, uh, they has, they sent me this photo of, <laughs> we used to go every year and walk around and look at the holiday lights and this was before um I was with the partner that I'm with now and there's a photo that there is of us like kissing under these lights but this like very like it's such a like sweet it looks like an engagement photo and and, and, and so they sent me this photo and um and I really looked at it and I texted him back and I said Thank you so much for sharing this with me today because it's amazing to look at this and know that like in this my relationship with them, I have no expectation of anything. Like the love, it's like really just looking at like my soul and this person's soul connecting and like holding space for each other. Like just like you were saying, you know, like if (laughs) – and if you're trying to fuck both of us, like Corey and myself, right, it would become a completely different thing. And like, I think for me, it's because that's what I was shown. It's really simple. Like that's what I was shown. This is what your romantic partner relationship is supposed to look like. Like end of story. And like, I think society does it too. You know, there's it's, it's it wasn't just my parents that did that. Uh, it was like built over time and then compounded over and over again on like what a, what it, it's a, it's supposed to be fireworks. It's a, you're supposed to love that person forever. You're supposed to give them your whole everything. Like, you're supposed to die for them. Like, if you both don't like the same exact way of having sex, it's not right. If you don't orgasm immediately after kissing for 20 seconds, then it isn't good sex. You know, like, it's such, is, I mean, it's different for everybody, Corey. So I'm not going to judge how, what sex is for you. But um,
0: I assumed everyone
1: did. Right. 20 <laughs> seconds. You that, that better be it. All right, all right. Um you know, so it's it was just so amazing to receive that that photo of us because I love this person so unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, how do I bring that into my romantic relationship? How do I not judge my partner, you know, that I'm like pursuing to marry?" like I don't judge this platonic life partner in my life that I look at this, you know, I can look at this other person and be like, I don't think like, did they do the, the dishes today? I don't think like, you know, do, are they working hard enough? You know, this this other person can call me and and be so vulnerable and have whatever's going on. And, and I really don't judge them. I'm just available to be a loving, kind, you know, um, companion in their life. And it's like, how do I do that with the The woman that I intend to marry, because I bring so much judgment to to our life together, because I think that I have a right, because I think that I can have power over it, or is it because if I don't, I won't be safe? You know, I think ultimately it is the you're saying being, you know, whether you're not, someone is going to save you, and it's like. I do, I do both. I put on the Cape and I want to save the other person. And then I'm mad that you didn't want to do the same thing for me. I'm mad that you didn't spend eight hours, like making sure that the house was so perfect for me or whatever. And you know, this guy that you're seeing didn't say the words you wanted to say, but like how much more fun is it to receive a rose on your car? Oh my God. Thanks God. Thanks God for something that I couldn't think of. Thanks, God, for something that was way more fun than what my brain's telling me I have to have. Like Yeah. Yeah.
3: And that whole I think that's it. I think the judgment of the partner comes. I'm and I'm trying to boil it down to something super easy and clear, like a one liner of Is this person able, is this person able to save me? Like that's the difference between the friend that you love. And the person that seems because I think the line, knowing that yes. I have a attachment issue, is I start seeing them as a reflection of me. I stop seeing them as an autonomous being. I start seeing the lover as we are one unit. Every choice mm-hmm. you make is not just a reflection of me, but it, it affects my safety. And then I have to like I was in a twelve year marriage, and we never merged money. Like I had my money and he has his money. And then when we bought a house together, we had an account for that house and we paid for the children and the and that other house. I never was financially dependent on another human being, even inside the institution of marriage with multiple children. So there's nothing that other person is going to do that actually affects my well-being. It affects my ego and it affects the childlike part of me that believes they are there to save me, i.e. be my parent. Mm -hmm. So, and it's hard to like deal with the fact that, Oh, is this a daddy issue? Oh, is this mommy issue? You know, like I have more mommy issues than I have daddy issues and I'm sleeping with men. You know what I mean? Like it, it, the gender doesn't matter. It's the role of saving. It's, mm-hmm. So yeah. that's become the mantra. And every time I'm asking that question, it's because I'm in judgment. So it's super easy then to go, okay, it's an easy flip. Maybe that's now, but it's an easy flip to go. Let me turn that person over. Acceptance of that other person comes easily. Then it's the uncomfortable ride of figuring out what am I digging at? what am I looking for in another person that I know I've already given to myself mm. and then dismantling that off of my idea of a romantic relationship. That's not what it's here for.
0: There's so much compare and despair in relationships, at least for me. And it's always this idea that there's something else or something better, right? Are we missing something by picking one road and not getting another yeah. um, judgment, of course, but. Um. yeah, it's there's once you pick, that's I your pick.
3: And I, I did some work in meditation with like a group of fellows recently around fantasy because I, I never really related to the word fantasy. I, I was not like a fantasy addict. I didn't read comic books as a kid. I don't have like a, a wild extensive role play game going on in bed. But I was like, oh, fantasy is there's another person who's gonna love me better. You're a person who's in front of me, who's like in this fight with me, who's like showing up, who's having these discussions, who doesn't have enough words. And in my head, I was like, yeah, but there's this other guy. There's this other guy who knows how to talk perfectly. And meanwhile, I'm 50 years old and I have had a lot of game in my years. I've met a lot of guys. I said from the beginning, I'm looking at heterosexual men looking for deep emotional language. The system is flawed. There's three of them, and I've already slept with two of them. So the idea of looking for the third guy in perpetuity. This is
1: like
0: in New Zealand right now, and it's a farmer.
1: Yeah, you just, you just haven't moved to the right location. Oh, you're right. I if mean, you, you have- meditate hard enough. God will bring him to you or you to him. It's that's what you're doing wrong. Oh you can control this. You just haven't figured out <laughs> yeah. the right tool to use so to
2: really control it. Oh,
3: Claire could give me that tool that I needed. Fantasize hard yeah. in your meditation. So I have that's to like right. go fantasy. Somebody yesterday said um, something about falling in love with reality or. or-
0: yeah, I heard that.
3: Yeah, I, so it was a meeting we were in. Um, here's what I have been doing a gratitude list kind of annoying me. They, they always feel a little gaslighty, like, oh, you're upset. Just say some things you're thankful for. <laughs> it always felt a little like disconnected. Um, but I have been trying it. Like, I've been trying it in earnest. First thing when I wake up before I get out of bed and to go to sleep, like, it's sort of as a way to unwind. And I do believe you can't be in gratitude and fear at the same time. Like, they, the two mechanisms just mm-hmm. can't work. And generally the thing I'm the most grateful for is people. It's like I start running through lists of people and some of them are, you know, from the old photograph from 10 years ago. And there was a time when, you know, if that was my lover, they drove me nuts. But today I can see them as separate autonomous people and love them for it. And the gratitude has been helping me get out of fantasy of when I will be happier, what I need to be happier, who I need to be happier, what they need to do and see what is being offered for me in this moment.
1: That's so beautiful. And I, I think a old, old version of me really relates to oh, just be grateful for things and like having an, uh like deflection towards that concept just yeah. just being like and and it what's also like amazing today is that like I don't I hardly remember that person of me. I am like immediately like oh yeah like what can I be grateful for? Um because like it just is such a visceral shift in my body of like God. I can feel God just like Enter my body. If that's too much for a listener, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, just, I'm like <laughs> hearing myself, like, but it's it's like, look, this is you know, just work your program hard enough, you'll get there. No, I'm just I'm just teasing. Um, but for me, like, I really do feel it that way when I'm when I'm in gratitude and when I'm focusing on gratitude, and I 100% believe that I cannot have gratitude and what did you say? Now I can't think of it. What did you say? And fear. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't be in full gratitude. Like if it was a progress bar and like one side was fear and the other side of the bar, you know, or a balance bar, whatever it was gratitude. If I'm full gratitude, there's just not room for the fear. So like when that starts to shift the other way, often like the fear will creep in. Um,
3: you know what I see? It like here? I see it like um, a gear shift or a stick shift. You know, like you have to pull oh, it that. And stick it in reverse. Reverse is fear. So when you pull it yes. out of reverse, you have five gears of gratitude. If you're in first, you can still drop into neutral and go back into reverse easily. But by the time you get up to fifth and you're in flow and you're rolling, you are so far away from the fear, you cannot get from fifth to reverse.
1: That, that is amazing i love that
3: <laughs> i love She's
0: that today thank
3: you thank you little here sure.
0: or no i'm just kidding it's like a top gear episode <laughs> we'll cross-reference it with top gear we'll get so many hits of confused people i think it's a car pod
2: <laughs> it's a car pod with a little
3: rod <laughs> thrown in
0: it's a sprinkling of, of spirituality <laughs> well we do a reading actually it's part of um some of our programs, sometimes we play a game, but I sometimes think we
1: play a game. We're doing a reading today.
3: Okay. I'm excited. I'll hear so
1: it. So I looked up Judgment.
3: <gasps>
1: it's not anywhere in our literature. Just kidding. It is. I you're kidding.
0: Sometimes you're shocked. You're like, really?
1: Just in how Al Anon works. Uh, so we'll be reading from how Alan works today. And in here, the references, the page references for Judgment are page 51, page 53, page 86, page 109, page 140, 272 through 273, 381 through 382. That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a that's, good year. That was a good year. That was a really good year. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's that's all. I have a feeling there's more, but those are the ones that they, they noted. So I was like, 86, that's the year I was born. No, I didn't actually think that. I just went to 86, but it's occurring to me now.
3: Is that the year you were born?
1: Yeah, I was. I was born in 86. Oh,
3: my God. 86, Mom, 86. Claire.
1: Corey's just turned 63, so. <laughs>
0: When you get older, you just say you look older so that you look good for your age. I just say I'm 60.
1: So good. That's Does so anybody believe you?
0: There. People don't even think I'm 21. I get carded all the time because I'm so fucking bored.
3: Okay, can I just say that before the pandemic, I went to a bar downtown and they took my license and here's the bouncer who, you know, may or may not be able to do math, but now he has his little computer in his hand, slid my license through it and on a screen popped up the word like 49. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? If I was going to this bar to get laid, you just broadcasted to the whole room. My age. Do you not know why women shook Botox in their head? Look what you've done. You've <laughs> negated my Botox experience with 49. Good great lights. At the door There's no judgment
1: involved in any of those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: So true. You better find that passage before I talk us all. I have words.
1: it. I'm holding, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting patiently to read it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm actually gonna start on page 85 because the the passage is actually forgiveness. So this is in how Al-Anon works, page 85. Forgiveness. Resentment will do nothing except tear us apart inside. No one ever found serenity through hatred. No one ever truly recovered from the effects of alcoholism by harboring anger or fear or by holding on to grudges. Hostility keeps us tied to abuses of the past. Even if the alcoholic is long gone from our lives or has refrained from drinking for many years, we too need to learn to detach. We need to step back from the memories of alcoholic behavior that continue to haunt us. We begin to detach when we identify the disease of alcoholism as the cause of the behavior and recognize that our ongoing struggle while unpleasant, with unpleasant memories is an effect of the disease. We, too, must find within us compassion from the alcoholic who suffered from the terrible illness. When we are able to dig down deep past our grievances and resentments no matter how justified we may feel in harboring them and find within ourselves the recognition of that part the other person that is always and always will be lovable how better could we learn that we ourselves are eternally and irrevocably lovable than by recognizing the same quality in everyone around us it goes on but we'll stop there for today interesting I thought that forgiveness um, and there's a meeting that I go to sometimes that they actually read forgiveness at at that meeting every time and I don't think I can be in judgment if I'm in forgiveness because what is judgment but like kind of in a way really the opposite you know if Mm -hmm. if I'm judging someone I think that something should be different I'm either saying, you know, like even just thinking of like an actual judge in a courtroom, I'm approving or disapproving of a thing. I'm saying this thing is or isn't right or wrong. And in that, you know, I've decided that the thing that someone is doing is potentially wrong or the thing that I'm doing is wrong or that, you know, compound like just the fact that you put those groceries in the bag the way that you did them uh, must mean that you don't care about me because you put the eggs on the bottom grocer and like must mean that you don't care about your job and must mean that you are suck and must mean that you hate being here. And so then that must mean that you also hate your family. You know, it's just like, how does it become this thing? I think for myself where a simple thought of Something that didn't work for me means that this person, you know, wants to ruin me or wants to do something to the to the extent where I'm not I'm no longer safe, Uh, because it always does come down to safety for for me, because that was always it in my home, judging whether or not I was safe or not. That's it. So simple. What am I safe or not? Emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And um, you know, I can just go. Oh, that guy's working so hard at that checkout. I totally forgive him for putting those eggs in the bottom. You know, no big deal. And I get to say thank you. And you know, I get to be. I get to judge how big of that. Th- how important is it? You know, that the eggs got put in the bottom. They usually don't because I'm usually bagging my own groceries because I'm controlling. Um, but <laughs> it's like when it does happen, you know, or or whatever the thing is. I recently, um, somebody tried to break into my car a couple weeks ago and they like jammed the door lock. They didn't get in, but the the lock on the driver's side is busted, which is like fine. I don't, I usually use the clicker anyway. um, And I was really upset because I didn't feel safe. I immediately, like even that day that I found out was like, maybe I should go get it fixed immediately. I made an outreach call around it. And of course, because like, how could I not? Do that for myself, Uh, and I wanted to fix it immediately because it was like I wanted to erase that it happened because I felt so violated that someone would try and break into my vehicle because that felt so unsafe. They were going to take something that was mine, you know, or go into a place that they didn't have uh, authority to or didn't ask permission to. But I very quickly was in forgiveness around this person. I'm assuming it's a person Um, because it was just like, oh, like, I don't know anything. All I know is that my lock is broken. That's all I actually know. That's it. I didn't see anybody. I don't like there's no cameras that could tell me from where I live You know, so it's like, what do I really know? I know that that someone thought that they needed something in my vehicle so greatly that they were going to risk whatever to get in. All right, well, you know, I can forgive them for that. And then, and then I, I no longer under this weight of judgment of this fantasy that we were talking about earlier that creates this whole world that then will take up the real estate of my entire brain. It's like, no, like I get to have such a more lovely, wonderful life, you know, and I got to make calls and uh, get some quotes and talk to some really nice people during the holidays that were like, had great customer service. And then some people that had shitty, horrible customer service in my, in my judgmental opinion, they were really rude actually. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to give them my business. And like, how wonderful does that power to be like, I'm going to give my money over to this, like, uh, you know, family owned business where they're really wonderful and lovely in a way that works for me. And I'm, ex- and I'm excited to pay this guy to come and fix my lock. like, cool. You know, like, I don't know what God's plan is, but like judging it just slows me down from enjoying life, you know?
3: Oh, it's so good, Claire.
1: <laughs> oh, so anybody else have thoughts on forgiveness? <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. Yeah. I mean, forgiveness is not, op- I mean, is, is, are we saying that forgiveness is really the opposite of judgment or are we saying acceptance is the opposite of judgment? what do we think? I
3: don't know. I mean, I think acceptance is the opposite of judgment. Sometimes I have trouble with forgiveness because it still has a bit of a judge in it. Mm. Oh, tell
1: me why you think so.
3: Because if you forgive the person that broke in, you're still deciding they did something wrong and you're Mm. giving them your forgiveness, which they did not ask for. So, you know, like if you think about some of the more horrible traumas of your life. People did unforgivable acts, but can I accept that this was our path? You know, like in some ways I look at it like the people who are the easiest in my life, if, if we came down together, if we got in a body together to get into a learning planet, to learn some life lessons together, the people that signed up for the easiest lessons were not working the hardest for me. The people that raised their hand in God's waiting room and said, I will come down and do the most horrible thing in your life that will define you. And fighting against that, you will find all of your strength. That person has signed up with the most love. So they have done the most horrible thing in this life. That is unforgivable, but I can accept it. Mm. We're two separate people. I'm not in charge of whether they're right or wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love that insight. I, I, I too believe that the counter to judgment is acceptance. I feel like forgiveness may be a vehicle that helps you get there or mm-hmm. can be a tool to allow you to find acceptance when maybe you didn't, um, you, know, you didn't know you could find acceptance around something. And well, I mean, we say that forgiveness is for us, not for them anyway, so.
3: Mm-hmm. But if I think about myself, I have to forgive myself first before I can accept.
1: Absolutely.
3: I, I agree with you. It's like a step on the path. You know, if I think about really egregious acts, can I Can I forgive my father for this? Can I forgive my mother? I can forgive the act. I can accept the person.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's... I love that you brought up forgiving yourself first, you know, and it's like um everything for me in program is let it begin with me. And when I think about the place that I am around the the car lock, right, I really don't have I'm completely resolved internally on on that. And I went through forgiving myself of parking because i park where there isn't really a light there's really no light there there's like it's down from a street light it's like right in front of my driveway because i work in my garage i don't need to get into it anyways where i park there isn't a light and you know i was like claire it's okay it's oh you did not do anything wrong you're not in trouble you're not bad this is okay that this happened. And it. Re- I really did have forgiveness of myself in that first day. And I think that came out on the out- the first outreach call that I made um, around it, you know, because my disease wants to tell me I'm irresponsible. My disease wants to tell me that I do things that are bad and wrong. And that in doing those things, I will end up like truly like in the worst, the worst forms of my family, or parents and the things that that for me are so scary that I don't want that out of my life, you know, um, or in, in other alcoholism that I've seen, it's like, oh, but if, if I wasn't responsible enough to make sure my car didn't get, you know, somebody didn't try and break into my car, then I must not be responsible enough to ever own a home or something. It's like the fantasy of the brain is, in, is just like runs with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad you talked about forgiving
0: yourself first. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about, I haven't, I'm not the best at forgiveness, I don't think. I think that's (laughs) like Gandhi and be able to forgive some of these people. But I think I'm more and currently more where you are, Diane, where it's like, yeah, I can accept that that happened. I can accept that behavior and even be appreciative of the things it brought because it usually brought something great. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I'm not Mm -hmm. really, I'm not sure I've ever fully forgiven some people. Another
3: word that I really like around this, which is um, mercy. Mercy mm. is the willingness to forgive someone, even if you know they're wrong. Mm. So you're not forgiving the action. You're, you're holding the judgment of this was wrong. I'm going to show mercy and let them go anyway. And the, how I get to mercy is my own experience. There's almost nothing, you know, like in adult transactional things that someone does to me that I haven't done at some point, no. <laughs> you know, there like were. I've lied, I've manipulated, I've triangulated, I've, I've used my words for to bring someone down rather than to bring someone up. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to look at my own flaw and then just say, that's where they are on their path. We're, we're not at the same place. And then I can literally let them go. Because the joy of what Claire's talking about is my car was broken into a couple of years ago. And my first thought was, oh my God, that person really needed something. Like I, I really was like, in their world, I have everything. Mm-hmm. Like this car comes yeah. with a house. You know, like I was like, this person is. Right who broke into my car like in my mind I was like they really needed something I was like what did they get and they probably got a hundred dollars and a bunch of you know stupid things and I was like okay I can live without that immediately like I I saw like they have a need so to me mercy is a little bit like they might just be on a lower learning cycle than you are like a lower vibration sure there's gonna stay in survival for much longer, even if it's like an emotional thing, Corey, even if it's a spiritual thing of like, they may not be able to reach the acceptance that you have. So mercy to me sometimes helps when I, when I can't really let it go.
0: That's great. Mm I definitely needed to hear about mercy as I (laughs) struggle to forgive. I'm definitely going to take that away. Um, Well, and I think as we, as we've stated, you know, acceptance is the Umbrella to all of this, right? Like all of this is serenity if we're in acceptance to whatever happening. So it's a really beautiful topic, and um, I really appreciate your coming and sharing it with us today.
3: This was so much fun, you guys. <laughs>
0: we try to be fun. <laughs> um, we like, were
1: doing uh, this thing, Corey, for a while. Where I don't know if we want to do it again today. We were saying what we were gonna. Work on in recovery for the next week. Yeah. I was loving that. Yeah,
0: Claire's the good uh, outline keeper of the of the pod. Well, Claire, what are you going to work on for the next <laughs> week until we all are together again?
1: <laughs> um, loving myself more. Yeah. Which looks like giving myself more me time, which looks like ugh, being really easy on myself and not have, I have such high expectations of what should, like, the productivity list, will that ever be removed? God, please, I'm ready. Um, You know, that expectation, like, my brain every day thinks I have, like, 56 hours. I'm just like... <laughs> Thank you, silly Claire. That was not gonna happen today. What were you thinking? So I'm really doing better at being like, you know, like yesterday. I was like, I'm gonna vacuum today, but I didn't even vacuum. I like watched TV and the and and went on a fun outing with my partner. That was super fun. Instead of vacuuming, I was like, she wants to go out. Let's do that. I don't have to vacuum today.
3: Yeah, that was good.
1: You know, that was good.
3: Contrary action. Yeah, yeah when it was <laughs> back and you think, what fun thing could I do instead? And like live in a fucking dust my pile. Do it. Ah <laughs> uh,
1: thank you. Diana what about you, Corey? Diana. All right, oh, Dang. Yeah, um, whatever.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna plot revenge on all those who've crossed me.
1: <laughs> this makes sense. This makes sense.
0: And really, really get them this time. Like take them down. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm gonna do the opposite. I'm really gonna uh, thank a lot about mercy. That was really helpful. I'm really sitting with a lot of fear around work, which I've never, which I've always had, but I've never faced. And I think it's time to face it. Um, mm. Everything is totally fine like completely fine right now. Um, I don't know what the thing behind the thing behind the thing is. It's like coming up now and I'm really writing down the thing behind the thing, like the thing I would never wanna write about the thing behind the thing. Like, do I really wanna admit this out loud? This is what I'm afraid of. Oh, um,
3: this is a crosstalk episode. We need to we need I'm some, so of those excited. some of the things. I'm so excited. That like,
0: thing? like if we're worried about, you know, success, is it really just like, am I not gonna look good on LinkedIn or you know, am I not gonna be rich? Like really rich, not like financially I, independent.
1: I don't want to tell you what it is, but I have a feeling it has to do with people loving you.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, that Which sounds like some, some judgment. Anyway, you know, the kind of shit that you the kind of <gasps> you don't want to say. It's like, why am I afraid of not getting what I want at work? Because my fallback positions are fucking great. Like, it's, but I don't, it's all plan A. So I'm going to look at that. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be real comfortable. I'm going to sit in my Sky Prison in Chicago. And uh, I call it my Sky Prison. Because um, I like to look at the bright side. And... Uh, and I'm going to look at this shit for a while. That's what I'm on. Love it. Love it. Diane, so you got a plan for the next couple of weeks?
3: <laughs> I am going to try not to throw my lover in the garbage can. I'm going to try yes. to run away. Mm-hmm. And this sounds so like, uh, oh, like my same feeling about a gratitude. List. Like I want to try to be of service every day not just to him but to the relationship because my first thing is what am i getting out of this what have you done for me lately and some like 80s pop song mariah carey thing um but (laughs) the most fun i've had in the relationship was like oh let me just make this guy dinner drop it off and run away so i'm not looking for an accolade and i'm like yeah it it goes out the window so fast the second i Mm -hmm. my ego is triggered even slightly of oh you're not adoring me, whoop here I go. So I'm gonna to try to be of service just for the practice of being of service. I I don't need this relationship to last forever. It's not one of those ones that I'm like oh my god please let this work. It's the perfect place to practice. Like I like the guy. I like him. He's, I I want to practice being of service and being out of my head.
0: I love that. And all we're doing is practicing this program and life that's what that's right name Claire says. <laughs> that's
2: Shut
1: right up. it's a practice it's a program wait what
0: <laughs> it's not about oh
1: oh oh we put yeah we uh oh <laughs> I
0: wants me to get a word or something she mad libs me I call it mad living she's like so instead of fear it sounds like it starts with an F. Like she does that to me. It's really hilarious. <laughs> uh,
1: um, no well, girl. my sponsor always yeah. says that doctors don't do medicine. They practice medicine. Mm. You know, we don't do, we don't do the program. We don't do life. We practice the program. We, it's hilarious. our spiritual practice and our spiritual doing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, this was great practice. I'm, we're gonna let you go, Diane. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Whatever you,
1: Corey has to go do many f- fancy things in his glass well, prison. He can't. He can't wait to go. Well, I think it's really. I'm just teasing.
0: Things up here, otherwise this could go on for forever. Forever.
2: <laughs> but, forever.
0: Thank you for joining Cross Talk. Um Until next time. I think the one after hey. this is going to be me sharing. You just heard Claire sharing. Then it's going to be me after this one.
1: Yeah, that's right. So we Hopefully we'll hear about the thing behind the thing. Maybe you'll get the, no pressure, Corey, to get there before we
0: record that. Tune in. Tune in. Smash that subscribe button. Um, okay. So thanks for joining us and uh, everybody have a wonderful day.
1: Okay. And keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bye.